You're listening to episode 17 of Boston's Strongcast. Welcome back, everyone. This episode is such a treat to share with you all. We got to the chance to interview Jennifer Thompson, multiple-time IPF and USAPL national champion in the 63-kilo Open and Masters class. Jen got to chat with us about her career in powerlifting over the years, as well as her most recent injury that she overcame in 2017 and how she was able to win the 2017 Raw Nationals. So sit back, hope you're comfortable, and enjoy the episode. All right, everyone, thank you for tuning in again. Welcome back to Boston Strongcast. I am here with IPF and USAPL legend Jen Thompson. We are going to do an awesome interview for you today. So, Jen, if you could introduce yourself, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your background, and then how you got into powerlifting originally. Okay. Well, let's see. I grew up, I'm Jennifer Thompson. I currently live in North Carolina, outside Charlotte. There was three questions at one time. I can only process one at a time. Like, I'm like, sorry. Shit, what did she ask again? <laughs> okay, so that's who I am. Well, I grew up in outside Detroit, Michigan. So I grew up um, in Michigan, yeah, until um, I was all through college. Um, and so I was just a runner. Um, I ran, like, cross country, and I ran, um, like, high jumped and ran track and... My dad was a runner, so I wanted to be a runner to make him happy. And I did a lot of road races. And um, when I got into college, um, I had a bunch of roommates. And one of my roommates was way into weight training. We had our whole weight training gym in our rental house. So at like five o'clock, he and all his buddies would go down and lift weights. And they you could hear them having a blast down there. <laughs> and every day they'd be like, Jen, come on, come on down, lift with us. And I'd be like, nah, you know, I'm the only girl, I'm a bunch of boys. And they just kept asking, and so I finally said, okay. Um, Mostly just because I wanted to be part of all the fun. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I got started. I started lifting with them. I just just did what they did, and um, it was just an enjoyable time. So I just enjoyed just the atmosphere, the guys, the lifting. And and then I, I lifted for probably like just two or three years where I just... I fired around. <laughs> I just I'd lift every once in a while. I didn't really have a routine. I'd just kind of go hang out, and um, and then it wasn't till like my mid twenties where I was like, I'm getting strong. I started out <laughs> lifting some of um, my roommates' friends, and so I'm like, huh. And then I started getting some muscle. Like I started, you know, getting pecs. You know, cause I never had cleavage, so I had cleavage. I was like, yes, cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> and nice toned arms, you know. And so mo- what sort of drew me into it was just having a nice look. Like, I was always very skinny, and I didn't have a lot of curves. I was very boyish looking. So the fact that you could get sculpted and look nice was a big draw for me. And so it really was more about just looking really good mm-hmm. opposed to being strong at first. And then once I got strong, I sort of fell into it. I married the guy that got me into the weights. <laughs> and uh, on our honeymoon, we went to um, Venice Beach, California, and we saw a powerlifting meet there on the beach. And I was like, I can do that. <laughs> so that was um, back in 1999, I did my first meet, and I like crushed everything. I never knew how strong I was. Like I broke the American records. I learned how to deadlift like the night before. <laughs> Like, it was just, I almost bombed out on my squats of like, I think I was doing like 186. 
And the first time I was like too high. The second time I fell back into the spotters. <laughs> and then the third time I think they were just being really nice and gave it to me. <laughs> so I did like 186 and then I benched 225. <laughs> and I think I pulled like 315, maybe something like that. But I actually have a picture in our um, my presentation this morning of my very first deadlift in a meet, and my oh form gosh, is horrible. I've got like basketball shoes on. It's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> but I sort of I fell into the community of people and loved it, and we just sort of yeah. learned it from then on out. I don't know. I think, did I answer that question? You answered <laughs> all of those questions uh, very well. So, what has been your favorite part of? your overall competition history so far, if you could like look back on it. My favorite accomplishment or my favorite part? Both, well, I like both of um, those. I would say my favorite accomplishment was the first time I won gold at the IPFs in the bench press. That was in, um, I wanna say we were in Czech Republic. Um, but I lost a few years. I didn't had gotten third, second, second. I really wanted to win badly. I, it was just like right there. I barely lost it all those times. Yeah. And it is such a great honor to represent your country at an international meet and to be on that stand and hear him play your national anthem and draw the flag. It still gives me <laughs> I know. So you get all teary-eyed, you know. Um, so that was like, I'd been working so hard for it for years. Mm -hmm. um, and then to finally like achieve that was like, it was a relief and a pleasure all at the same time, you know. Um, but my favorite part is just the community people, you know. Yeah. You know, it's just it's a great group of people that um, support each other and encourage each other. And um, it got to, you know, where we go to all these competitions, you're visiting friends, you know, that you don't see, that live all across the country. And a couple times a year, you all come together and you hang out and, you know, just shoot the shit and yeah. all that sort of good stuff. And so that's what I love about it. It's just That's what keeps you in it. It's just the people, people in it. Going back to you were talking about having come in like second and third mm -hmm. at bench for a couple of years. What was the mentality that you like took into that next year of training in order to like try to win the gold for the country? Well, back then, like it was all equipped lifting too. Okay. There was no raw. No one lifted without a bench shirt or a squat suit or whatever. So um, it was a big learning curve with mm -hmm. the bench shirt, and it's not a pleasurable experience. You know, <laughs> it hurts. It rips you up. It you know makes you bleed, makes you bruise, and so. A lot of it too back back then you know we didn't the internet was here but not very good like it was very slow not not a lot of people posted stuff on the internet and so really all you had was muscle and fitness magazine and powerlifting USA to figure out how to do this stuff like there was no YouTube and things like that so I think one of the things that took me so long was a lot of trial and error and just trying to figure it out because there just wasn't any resources so you were really just sort of I just tried to do as many meets as I could, try to get better and better and better in the equipment. I knew my strength was good. Yeah. It was hard to get the technique to be good. So that was probably the most frustrating part of it. So when did they introduce like the classic? I want to say, I think it was um, my last equipped powerlifting meet, I think was 2011 or 12. Okay. And I just, um, I'd never been really great in the equipment. I was good in the bench because my bench overall was so good. But in the three lift, um, I didn't get a ton out of the equipment. The equipment's kind of funny where like, if you're kind of a bigger person, you get a lot out of the equipment. You know, you can lift a lot more, but if you're a small, skinny person, not so much. <laughs> so it was hard because I just really didn't get a ton out of the stuff you're wearing. 
Um, so I, I and, and it, it's just hard, like, because, like, with the squat suit, you know, it cuts you up, you're bruised, you're missing skin, you know, and I just had had, and it's a hard toll on your body to lift such overloaded weight all the time, because you're really lifting well beyond what you're capable of doing. Yeah. So I got to that, meeting. You know, there was a, uh, the, in my weight class in the 63s, Bettina Altizer had the longest standing um, American record in the total, in the history of powerlifting. This was the, the record that has lasted the longest. So I'm like, I'm going to go beat that. Done. I'm not putting this stuff on again. So I did. I went, and I think we were in Texas or something, and um, it was calling and so I um, had a fairly good meet. I broke the total, and then I said, that's it. I'm not putting this stuff on anymore. And then, coincidentally, that year they had their first Raw Nationals. Oh. I actually didn't go because I went to that meet instead, okay. and I picked it up the following year. But it was just sort of like the stars aligned where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to these meets and no equipment and just enjoy myself and not worry about it. And then Raw like, came right at the same moment, so yeah. it was perfect. That was going to be my next question. Were you going to just go and do yeah. just wrong? I was just going to, like, I'm just done with it. You know, <laughs> just so... I, it, it is... You have to be so mentally tough to do it. I mean, the people that do it, like... I mean, you have to, like, embrace this pain level and be okay with it. And um, it's really hard. Like, it's not an easy thing to do. And then the, the equipment changes based on how your weight fluctuates, you know. And it's just... It's, it's, um, it's like, a hard problem to figure out. So, yeah, I was just going to say, because I knew I was strong raw, so mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm just going to go out there and show how strong I am raw. That'll, that'll be good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> so talking about pain tolerances, kind of switching gears mm-hmm. just a little bit, um, I know that you did go through an injury last year, and we're yeah. kind of working through that for the whole year. Can you explain, um, like, the last year in your athletic career and, like, just what happened and how you made that yeah. come back? Well, it's sort of, I've never really had an injury from powerlifting before. Mm-hmm. I've had lots of other injuries from water sports. So I love water sports, and I bought my knee, I broke my ankle, neck surgery, and all these horrible things. It was never from powerlifting. And then, um, like, for, like, two years, I, I was starting to have pain in my hip. And so I was just trying everything I could, changing my stance, changing the way I squatted, changing the way I deadlift. And so I sort of saved it off for a while. And then I got to... Um, Raw Nationals in 2016, and it was so incredibly painful just to um, squat or deadlift, and it only hurt when I did the lifts. Not No other time did it ever hurt, just when I was only squatting and deadlifting. And so it was like two weeks before, and it was like, it was almost so, I, it was almost so bad I couldn't do it, but I was just trying to push through the pain just mm-hmm. to get it done. And um, eventually your body says no more, because <laughs> you're just like hurting yourself. So it was like two weeks before Raw Nationals, and like I couldn't pick 315 up off the floor for deadlift and I couldn't squat 225. Like I was just, I couldn't do anything. So my husband's like, well, let's just not lift for two weeks. We're already paid. Let's just go up and see what you got. So I was like, okay. And I was so scared because I thought this is going to be, I'm going to show up. I'm, I'm not going to be able to lift anything. But I ended up doing okay. Like the two weeks had gotten enough where the swelling went away. And I basically was able to hit what I normally can hit my second attempts for my thirds. So, like, I squatted, I think, 315. I think I my bench is always good. <laughs> that was great. And I think I deadlifted, um, like, 420, which is normally an e- easy second. It was everything I had for a third. But it was enough to win. So I started seeing all these um, ortho guys trying to figure out what the problem was. And they, were, they thought it was my spine. I was doing all these spine injections in the spine, and that wasn't working. And doing MRIs, and they did the arthrogram where they shoot the dye in your hip. And... 
and they really weren't figuring out. It was relieving some pain, but it wasn't relieving the problem. So I had neck surgery in 2004 with this guy, Dr. Petty. He was 70 back then, and he sees consults and stuff, but someone else did surgery. Nobody could figure out what was wrong. So I'm like, I wonder if Dr. Petty is still working. So he was. He was 80-some years old. Yeah. And, you know, he's this old guy with his bow tie and his glasses, and he's so sweet. And um, I said, will you just come look at my stuff? Can I come in? Will you just look at me and see if you can figure out what's going on? And he's like, it's your hip. It's totally your hip. Um, and what happened was I had my sumo deadlift stance where my feet were at the toes. Mm. And it, I was just sort of, um, the way I would lift, I would just sort of um, um, hinge in my hips. And so it created a dip in my bone and then a deposit at the end. And then it tore up my labrum tant tendon and all sorts of stuff. So he found like a hip guy um, who found the laparoscopic guy. So I went to like Iceland and I, um, I, uh, I did, I, I benched the, I think I benched three, 17 and a half in the 72s, and I just sort of walked through the squat and the deadlifts, because <laughs> there wasn't much I could do about that, and I ended up missing the Arnold, so I ended up having surgery in May, they just reshaped the whole femur head, they took out bone, they cleaned all the scar tissue out, and he took um, suture, and he just basically wrapped my labrum tendon around in like the thickest suture he could find. He's like, it's good. You can't hurt it. So that was just rehab. It was a lot of PT after that. I missed the Worlds, which was a little bit hard because I missed it due to injury. But of course, like there's all these rumors flying around that I tested positive, so I got kicked off the team. <laughs> and you know, people are spreading these wild rumors around it. And so I just had to sort of shut down and like block out social media and just get to work. Yeah. You know, and. Um, I just, I hit PT so hard and I'm in the best shape ever now. Like it's, I no pain, feels great. I have this huge like stretching exercise regimen I have to do every single day, which sucks, <laughs> but the return's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was an experience. Yeah. So then how did you get through that like, you know, the injury, so kind of like coming back from Iceland and then going through all the surgery and then the rehab and the PT, how did you get through that mentally? Like what was your thought process after coming out of all of that and going into like the, I have to build myself back right. up again. Well, it was hard because um, even when I went in for the surgery, like we think this is it, but we're not entirely sure. So the doctor told my husband, he's like, if I'm in and out really quick, there wasn't much for me to do. But if I'm in there a long time, I found it, we're in good shape. So I was in there like forever, which was awesome. Like, so never do you go into surgery, like, please take forever. Please just be in there forever. Um, so he fixed it, but there was, I, I mean, I didn't know. I was either gonna work or I was just done. Like, so that mentally part was tough. And like, I can always just bench press, but I don't wanna be just a bench presser. I wanna be the whole thing. And I wanna walk out on my own terms. So it was like a lot of just have my husband's hugely supportive and he's really great with words and encouragement and he's not a rah-rah sort of guy but he puts things in perspective and he just makes you feel better about things so whenever I would just kind of like be on the edge and just like I don't know he would just put things back professor what do you have to lose let's just keep working let's just keep going and so I really didn't know if it would be better and I didn't know I'd be stronger and I honestly thought at that last nationals we just had I thought you know, I thought that was probably the one I was going to lose because I didn't think after seven weeks of training that I'd ever be able to come back. And these girls are coming fast and hard. Um, and so I really thought, well, this this is, this is might be it, you know. But I got out there and kicked ass. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you have, like, a mental timeline of, 
like when you were able to hit milestones, like being able to lift again, mm -hmm. thinking like, okay, I'm going to be able to get on the platform at Royal Nationals, uh, that you might have a shot to, you know, like PR your lifts and win the title again. Well, I never thought I would PR off any lifts. I was just hoping that I would win. Like that was just the main goal, like yeah. to think that I, you know, and I knew it was going to be hard. But the heart, the, with the PT and stuff, it's everything's marked out in weeks. At you know, two weeks you can do this. At three weeks you can do this. At four weeks you can do this. So it was kind of just trying to stick with this plan. I had the best physical therapist ever. She was wonderful, Heather Triplett out of Phoenix Physical Therapy. And she was just explaining things, and she was tough with me, which is what I need. Mm -hmm. And she's like, if you don't stick to this, you're going to screw up everything we did. So, And it was hard, too, because you were only on crutches for a few weeks. And then after that, you really felt fine. Um, you just couldn't open your hip up, but you, you felt like you felt normal. So you wanted to get in there and start working hard and, and doing it. And she kept going, you're going to ruin it. Don't do that. You can't do this. You know, you're going to get all the scar tissue. You're going to have all these problems. So most of it was, it helped that we had like a plan so I could see at which milestones I could start doing yes. this and that, that. And then um, really going into it, like um, it didn't hurt to belt squat. Um, just the way I could put the belt on my hips and not load up my spine. So I belt squatted my rear end off all the way into the surgery and I think that helped being really strong going into it that the recovery picked up pretty fast afterwards. So I mean the first time I squatted I just put tens on I'm like okay got that and I put 25s on okay I got that and I just started adding weight to see where I could go and I think I made it up to 275 which was well beyond where I thought my first day out would be so that was like okay we got this we can do this okay we're all right you know so but it was a lot of I just I um in the years of powerlifting, I'm pretty mentally strong but I've learned just different ways to deal with anxiety and things that bother me and I'm very visual I like to visualize read a lot of books on like just sports psychology and things like that so I have this way of just compartmentalizing the negative thoughts in my mind and putting them away and then they're just gone so a lot of it is just finding out how to deal with all those like little things that are nagging you or upsetting you and just really focusing on one thing helps. So has your training changed at all since your surgery or take it, kind of take us through that? Um, the training itself hasn't trained, changed that much. I, I always do a lot more warming up and a lot more stretching. A lot, I never did any stretching ever before I lifted till now, <laughs> which I know everyone says you should, but I'm like, eh, I'm good. Um, so, like, now my workouts are way longer. We don't, yeah, yeah we don't. Really. I didn't. Wait till you're 40. <laughs> <laughs> I never did. And so now I have to do all sorts of warm-up exercises. Everyone makes fun of me because you put these bands around your legs and you have to kind of squat and walk around. They tell me I look like a crab when I'm doing them. And, but it feels better when I do it, so it's encouraging to do it. So just, really that's just the um, only thing that's changed and just really focusing on form. I change my deadlift form a lot. So I used to have my feet out at the plates, and now they're in like five inches. Yeah. But I think it actually helps because I can use my muscles more than leverage. Mm -hmm. So that, and then I changed my squat form up just a little bit, just to compensate a little bit on the hip. But other than that, like the program that we do is exactly the same. Yeah, it's still working. <laughs> Don't mess so with what's working. You're training for IPF Worlds. Yeah. Uh, well, we've well, Arnold, Arnold, and, and then, then I have and then the Bench Press Worlds and the three Lift Worlds. Okay. Yeah, I, know I got a lot coming up. I was gonna say it was gonna count. I got two events at the Arnold, and then the IPF Bench Press Worlds, which my son Tucker is 14, and he made the sub junior team. Oh. So I'm excited because I get to take him with me oh, to Finland so to lift. Awesome. So that's really exciting. And then I'm really excited about Calgary because that's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. 
So what is your mentality, you know, going into all of these meets kind of back to back to back? Um, well, like for the Arnold, it's just more of a show off meet. Okay. So it's just fun, right? So it's a little bit, there's a little less <laughs> pressure. Carrie's competing at her first time. Oh, oh good. Yes, it's way fun. If there's so many people watching you. <laughs> I'm a little terrified. <laughs> well, but you have to learn to feed off it, yeah. right? Like, I feed off people yelling and screaming. Like, it gets my hair up on end, and I feel all prickly, and, like, I feel like I'm going to bust. So it's what you do with the energy. So you have to learn how to harness the energy and use it for good, not bad. Um, so that is fun, though, because you can really just – you're not so worried about, like, team points and placing, and so you can just go for stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, go for that world record, go for that big PR, whatever. So that is fun, but in the back of my mind, I'm really got Calgary in my mind because I know um, Samantha Calhoun's gonna be in there, and I know she's close. She's getting closer, and then um, the Swedish girl in the 72s, Van Eisenberg. She's yeah. coming down to 63s. So, yeah. um, so um, I, just, I, I know I know I need to be ready. <laughs> I'll be ready. It's gonna be great, yeah. but um, it's, it serves as a good motivation for me, and that's the thing with the hip thing and stuff too. It really has, it was re-inflamed me, like re-energized me into what to competing and wanting to do and the comeback and the when they thought you were out, you came back and stomped them kind of thing, and just um, it's re-energized my love for competing. So that's been kind of fun, and I just feel like I'm not done yet. I'm gonna go as far as I can, and you're gonna you're gonna have to beat me square and beat me hard. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. You know. So what is it like with your son now being able to kind of compete and come with you at the national and international level? Uh, well, his this was the first nationals he did was the one in um, Florida, and it's it's interesting. <laughs> My husband's usually the one back there. I'm usually videotaping because I get like all like <laughs> flustered and it's, it's for me it's harder to watch him than compete myself. Mm-hmm. Same with my husband too. Like it's like cuz it, you have control over you. You have no control over <laughs> that thing. So, you know, it's good but he he doesn't take it too seriously, which I think is great cuz um, you know, like when he was squatting, his squats went okay, but you could tell he was nervous and reserved. But then once he sort of got into it, like he was high-fiving, he's jumping up, he's going crazy. Um, so he learned how to enjoy it. Yeah. So I think that'll be good. I'm slightly worried. I mean, for this, he'll be in the sub junior, so he's going against 19-year-olds. Wow. You know, so I'm really just focusing on him like being um, proud that he made the team. It's a huge honor to represent the U.S. He's going to have, even though he's in the little kids, so, um, I shouldn't say kids, because this is an adult weight class too, but I think it's like 116, and he's like 107. He's a small kid, so... Um, I think I'm just hoping he's going to enjoy the experience. And I'm going to love seeing him out there. And, you know, it's fun for him because when you see little kids out there, the adults get really into it. Mm -hmm. And so it's very special for them because the adults are cheering him on. And so it's just, I just want him to have a really great experience mostly. Single lift, so. Yeah. Well, really, there's more pressure with just the bench press because you only get three. You can't screw up at all. You know? you know, if you mess up your squat, you can make it up in the deadlift. You know, here you just you're, it's it's like a do or die sort of thing. So you can't really mess up those lifts. So actually, I find it way more nerve wracking and nervous to do the bench only because you have to be on point every single one, or you're that's it. Your homie's done. <laughs> it's one and done. What would you tell listeners who are like currently in recovery from an injury or maybe are currently injured but kind of resistant to going and getting treated? Well, I think for all injuries, like I tried everything under the sun before it resulted to surgery, right? Because yeah. a lot of times I think PT is huge. If you can find a good physical therapist that knows what they're doing and knows sports, 
it's priceless. Like the girl that I worked with, I mean, she would just look at, she would make up exercises that would fix things for me. Like she just knew the body so well and how things worked. Um, so I think that was huge, but I tried, you know, like tried acupuncture, I tried cupping, I tried massage, I tried um, chiropractor, none of it worked. So I think, but I think you have to go through all those steps before you, surgery should be like a last result kind of thing. But you know, if, it, if you are in a surgical place, you know, you just have to evaluate, is it worth it or not, you know? But if, then if you're gonna get it, you better do all the rehab for it, otherwise, what was the point anyway, mm-hmm. you know? So I, a lot of it is, it's like a problem, and it's tr- you have to come at the problem in a lot of different ways to see how to fix it. And sometimes you have to come at eight, 10 different times before you can figure it out, which is hugely frustrating. But you have to decide if it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're here about to go to the Women in Strength event. Yeah. Super exciting. How have you, I think you've been like one of the people who have really been able to watch the rise of female powerlifting oh, yeah. in the last like five years. For sure. How has that been for you as um, an athlete in the sport? It's been wonderful. Like when I first started, I mean, it was still very, it makes me sound old, but it was still very taboo to find a girl in a weight training room. Mm-hmm. You didn't see it. Girls were intimidated by it. Um, and women having muscles was not very acceptable either. I had plenty of people walk up to me and tell me they didn't like the way I looked. Um, and I don't think I'm particularly that huge. <laughs> so um, that part um, was difficult. And I think when, we first, when I first started USA Powerlifting, we had something like 5,000 members. And um, when I first started putting on meets for North Carolina, and I think 2003, we would have five or six girls show up at our meets. Um, like we, and now it's half. Like we literally half the flights are women. And I think that is amazing. And I think a lot of it comes from social media because you're so accessible to everyone. And because of social media, there's so many great examples out there now that are pushing this sort of um, way they think women should look and be that everyone's joining in. Right, and so it really, I think um, now, USA Powerlifting, I think we're at 18,000 members, and I, I think almost a third or more are women, which is, I think one day it'll be half, but I think it's amazing. And I think CrossFit's helped us out a lot because we've got a lot of entry in through that sport, and women feel more comfortable coming in doing bodyweight exercises and then sort of increasing that, and then like the powerlifting um, exercises in that. I think that's been good too and I think some of the male mindsets change a lot of men are going out there and getting their girls to lift with them work out in the gym or encouraging girls you know in their neighborhood or whatever to start lifting so the mindset is changing so um, it's wonderful I wish it would have happened earlier though (laughs) so for me I think you know I don't know maybe if I'm lucky I got 10 more years that's sort of pushing it, but I'm going to say 10 more years. <laughs> I'm going to the next David Ricks, I feel. Um, the 80-year-old woman lifting at Nationals. Yeah. She was my favorite kid. I know. Thing. Wasn't that amazing? Yes. So it's, it's sort of bittersweet because w- I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying being part of it, and I love it, and I think it's awesome. But I wish it would have came a little earlier. But it came, so that's the most important thing. <laughs> Do you think you'll stay involved with the sport once you decide to stop competing whenever that yeah, is? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'll ever stop competing. It's just when I'll stop competing in the open. Mm. You know, I think I'll probably always master lift and things like that. Um, I don't think I'll ever leave, though. 
I love it. Yeah. I think there's always a pl- I think there's a place for everybody in the sport, even if you're not highly competitive or don't even want to compete. Compete. There's plenty of places for everyone to be part of it, yeah. and it's a pretty neat thing to be a part of. Yeah. And I hope I'll always be a good example for others. So I don't plan on going anywhere ever, really. <laughs> Speaking for all of us, I would say that that is a good thing. <laughs> Do you have any other thoughts that you would like to share with people? Um, I just think uh, I think it's important for women just to keep being good examples for others. Get yourself out there and then others will follow. I think that's really important to empower others and to pick people up, not put them down. You know, that's with the social media. You know, um, there's a study that says for every one comment, bad comment you get, it takes 10 good comments to even out how you feel. So I think um, it's important that we pick each other up and that we're positive with each other and encouraging, even if you don't like somebody. (laughs) I think that's important. Um, But, you know, the sisterhood, I think, is important. And we need to help each other out. Absolutely. Keep it going. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Chad. You're welcome. Um, And from all of us here, stay strong, Boston.